Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is Dan Trotter, Pretty Good Bible Studies. I am in Luke chapter 1. In this audio, we're going to discuss the Virgin Mary's visit to see Elizabeth. Mary has already been, uh, it has already been announced at the Annunciation by Gabriel to Mary that she is going to bear the Messiah. She's very excited about this, and she moves down from Nazareth, 70 miles or so south, to a city in Judea where Elizabeth and Zacharias lived, and Elizabeth is there six months pregnant with John the Baptist. So starting in verse 39 and reading through verse 45, we read this. In those days Mary arose, and that's the Virgin Mary, and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And by the way, that town is unknown. Nobody knows where it is, but this is where John the Baptist's home was, where he grew up. It's somewhere around Jerusalem in the countryside. And she, Mary, entered the house of Zechariah, that's John the Baptist's father, and greeted Elizabeth, John the Baptist's mother. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb, that's John the Baptist, jumping up and down for joy in, Mary's, in Elizabeth's womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Elizabeth is referring to Mary as blessed because Mary believed that there would be a fulfillment of what Gabriel had spoken to her from the Lord, that, that she would have the Messiah, that she, the Messiah would be born to her. Now, since Mary was filled, since Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, John the Baptist being in Elizabeth's womb, he was filled with the Holy Spirit too, at least some people say that, and as, and as such was able to recognize the Messiah, even though he was a little kid. And just think, if someone had committed abortion on John the Baptist, they would have killed somebody filled with the Holy Spirit. A fetus was capable of being filled with the Holy Spirit. I wish that people who like to murder babies, i.e. abortionists, i.e. progressives, i.e. secular leftists, I wish they could explain to me how they can get away with bloody, filthy, stinking murder with a clear conscience. But at any rate, Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit when she sees Mary come in, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women. And that's true. Mary has been blessed among women. She had the Messiah. Of course, any woman having a child back then was blessed because children were such a a blessing from the Lord, and but to have the Messiah, that's really something. In fact, I remember reading somewhere that most of the women in Israel were hoping that they would have the Messiah when they got pregnant. Mary was the one that was chosen. Now, as Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit, remember her, her, her husband Zacharias has been struck mute by Gabriel. John the Baptist is not born yet, of course. He's still in the womb. Jesus is not born yet. In fact, I don't think Mary's even pregnant yet. Well, yeah, Mary's pregnant because... Yeah, of course she's pregnant because, well, I'm not sure she's pregnant. John the Baptist is six months in the womb, and Jesus was right behind that, so she's about to get pregnant. Now, notice that Elizabeth believed explicitly that Mary was the mother of the Messiah because she said in verse 43, Why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? So she's already acknowledging Jesus as Lord. Jesus hadn't even been conceived yet. So she believed this. Now, how did she know all this? Well, it must have been prophetic. The commentator Barnes, Alfred Barnes, says this was prophetic. The commentator Benson said that Mary, that Elizabeth was in a divine and prophetic ecstasy. And that's how she knew that Mary was pregnant with the Messiah, the Savior and Redeemer of Israel. 
Now, Mary believed that, as I said, Elizabeth pointed out in verse 45, blessed is she, blessed is Mary who believed, believed what? That there should be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. This is one more indication that Mary is a woman of faith. Here's a summary of Mary's virtuous characteristics. She had faith. She showed an active, positive faith when presented with things almost impossible to comprehend. She was brave. She agreed to become pregnant even though she had no husband. She was humbled. She was troubled instead of proud when she saw Gabriel. She didn't go around saying, I saw an angel. I'm the most favorite of all women on earth because I saw an angel. I'm going to have the Messiah. Oh, no, she wasn't, she wasn't like that at all. Now, this is a little side note about Elizabeth being filled with the Holy Spirit. I just did a word study on that, and I found about 10 instances in the New Testament when people were filled with the Spirit. Only two of them has to do with the typical Pentecostal charismatic fillings of the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts. Now, there was one that was at Acts 2, at the original Pentecost, because Jesus said, go into Jerusalem and wait in Jerusalem and you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Then when you go to Acts 2 and see the actual fulfillment of Jesus' prediction, it says they were filled with the Holy Spirit. So there, the words baptism of the Holy Spirit and filled can be equated. Now, many people connect the two, both charismatic and non-charismatic. And, of course, you know, the word filled is loose enough. Though it, you know, it can be that because we have an example of that. But the other four examples, let's see, I think uh, three of the other examples don't use the word filled. They use received. Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Received the Holy Spirit since you believed? And in Acts 9, Ananias was going to pray for Paul that he was filled with the Holy Spirit. So that's two examples. All right, so the other eight, you don't have that. You don't have an explicit looking for and praying to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's just all of a sudden the Holy Spirit comes upon you, like here with Elizabeth. She was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she wasn't filled to speak in tongues or to prophesy or to be filled with powerful witness. She was filled so she could give a, um, well, I guess it was. She was filled so that she could have a prophecy. Be filled with the Holy Spirit in Ephesians 5 is being filled so you can be sanctified and not sin. There's lots of examples of being filled with the Holy Spirit without actually asking to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I think you need to make a distinction between when you ask to be filled with the Holy Spirit and when the Lord just comes on you and fills you with the Holy Spirit as you go about your obedient life. But anyway, those are my theological speculations. Take them with a grain of salt. Mary's song, the Magnificat, that's coming up next in verses 46 through 56. I'm going to read it straight through. As I go through, note that... First of all, there are 13 references to the Old Testament in this song, which shows that Mary was a woman of the Scriptures. And note the main theme of this song is that God does not work through the mighty and powerful to do His work. Mary and Elizabeth are two perfect examples of that. So let me read it. My, and Mary said, verse 46, And Mary said, My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. This is the ESV version, by the way. Verse 46, And Mary said, My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. Notice that Mary needs a Savior. She says God is my Savior. She's not the Savior. She's not the Redemptrix. I can't help to get into Catholic stuff here because the Catholics made such a big deal about Mary and give her all kinds of supernatural powers and turn her into a goddess. And that's not good. That's not right. But she was a wonderful woman. And she, and she need, said here she needed a Savior. My spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior because he has looked with favor on the humble condition of his slave. She calls herself a slave, and she mentions her humble condition. She was just a peasant woman. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed, and has not, not that prediction come to pass? We're still talking about Mary as being blessed because she's the only person in history who 
had a virgin birth, and she's the only person in history who was the mother of the Son of God. All the generations will call me blessed because the Mighty One, that's God, is doing great things for me, and His name is Holy. His mercy is from generation to generation on those who fear Him. He has done a mighty deed with His arm. He has scattered the proud because of the thoughts of their hearts. Again, she's emphasizing this humility theme. The proud was scattered, but she's pregnant with the Messiah. He, God, has toppled the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. She's talking about herself. She's lowly. Big shot kings aren't going to rule like her kingly son. He has satisfied the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. That's Mary who's satisfied with good things. He has helped his servant Israel, mindful of his mercy, just as he spoke to our ancestors, Abraham and his descendants forever. She refers to the Abrahamic promise there, the covenant promises, which, of course, if you study the Old Testament and know that all those are fulfilled in the New Testament, beautiful song. As I said, 13 references to the Old Testament in this song. Mary knew the Old Testament better than I do. She was a woman of the scriptures. It just shows you can be emotional and scriptural at the same time. I say that to all the pietist churches in the South or all the pietist churches in America who don't like to read their Bibles and to study it. If Mary can study your Bible, you can too. I mentioned about Mary said that God was her Savior. The Catholics say that Mary was immaculately conceived. I believe that that nonsensical idea came up, was was confirmed by the Catholic Church in about 1950 or so, I think it was. Or was that the or was that the the assumption of Mary? I think that one of them was in the late 1800s and one of them was in 1950. I can't remember. I think the assumption was in 1950. But the point is, is that somebody who's bodily raised to heaven and is immaculately conceived, what in the world do they need a Savior for? If you're immaculately conceived, you're not a sinner, so what do you need a Savior for? You don't need anybody to save you from your sins if you don't have a sins. So even in the Magnificat, Mary herself contradicts the, in my opinion, blasphemous assertions made by her by the Catholic Church. Now, she's, she sang this beautiful song, and the song is so beautiful and so prophetic that she must have been speaking by the Holy Spirit as a prophetess. She was speaking under a prophetic impulse, as the commentator Benson said. Perhaps she didn't understand all she was saying, Benson said, but she prayed through prophecy. And in fact, that's how Elizabeth knew that Mary, all the good things about Mary, it was, she was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she gave a prophecy. And likewise, Mary, when she sang, she was singing a prophecy. Benson says this, quote, Under his, the Holy Spirit's influence, she uttered extempore, ex, extempore a hymn remarkable for the beauty of its style, the sublimity of its sentiments, and the spirit of piety. And of course, the, Magnific the Magnificat is still sung today as a beautiful piece of music. That's it for this video, a short one, this audio, excuse me, the short one. Next audio will take up John the Baptist's birth in Luke chapter 1, verses 57 through 66. I hope you enjoyed this audio. I hope you listen to the next one.